All right, Psalm 51, let's do this. Psalm chapter 51, this is, if you have been participating in the fast with us, um, this is the psalm that we ask you to read a couple of times each day for 14 days, so, so hopefully some of you have, have been in this text. It is it's a pretty great passage of scripture. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray over the room, and then we'll read it. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would uh, move in this place today. Uh, God, there are some there are some situations that need to take a turn that need to break. There's some hearts that need to break. There's some change that needs to happen. And so let this be kind of fertile ground for that sort of change. Let it be fertile ground for the Spirit to, to move, to work. That's one of my dreams for Whitestone, that this is just a place where change happens week in and week out. God bless us as we read your word, knowing that what we're about to read, this is more important than anything I'm going to say later on. This is, this is where it's at. This is the stuff that's God-breathed. And so um, speak to us in it now. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you want to say to your bride. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Psalm 51, Psalm of David. And this is what it says. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you've broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways and the sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. In this text, in this psalm, King David shows us the way of repentance. He shows us what it looks like to return. He shows us what it looks like to make a comeback. Ultimately, I think in this text, he shows us the way home. And let's be real with each other for a minute, church. Some of you, I think, in the last couple of years have wandered away from God and have wandered away from the fold. And, and I'm not saying that because I think that you have done it on purpose. 
I think for uh, a lot of you, it has been uh, a slow fade, like a, a subtle drift. For many of you, I think it started like this. I mean, we had uh, almost a year where because of COVID, we were told we weren't supposed to meet in person. And so you get in the habit of just not coming to church. And then uh, a lot of you, I think, tried to watch online and you did that for a while. And then you're like, yeah, it's just not the same thing as, as actually uh, being there. And then you got to the point where you found, you know, I just really like uh, slow Sunday mornings, you know. I mean, there's nothing like just a, a hot cup of coffee in my PJs and binge-watching Netflix. And, and you do that for a month, and then you do it for six months, and then you do it for a year. And before you know it, it's been a year before, since you've been in the Word. It's been a year since you've had the Word of God proclaimed over your life. It's been a year since you've been in community. It's been a year since you've worshipped with your church family. And I know some of you are listening to me and you'd say to me, but, but Brock, you know, I don't have to go to church to spend time with God. And, and you're right. Pastor Tony Evans says it like this. He says, I hear people say I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone, but you don't have to go home to be married either. But stay away long enough, and eventually your relationship will be affected. Did you hear that? I hear people say I don't go to church to be a Christian. Absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone, but you don't have to go home to be married either. But stay away long enough, and eventually your relationship will be affected. The truth is, church, we need God and we need each other. Faith flourishes at the feet of Jesus and in the midst of authentic community. We need to have open homes and open Bible. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, Brock, why are we in you know, Psalm 51 when we're supposed to be doing a series on the book of Joel? Well, like Claudia said, Mark's out of town, so I'm going to do whatever I want, okay? <laughs> now, surely you all have noticed in the last couple of weeks where we've been in Joel chapter 2 that there's a recurring theme all throughout that chapter and really all throughout that book, and it is the theme of uh, returning. He says, I talked about it two weeks ago, he says, return to God, rend your hearts and not your garments. He says, return to God, fast and weep and mourn. He says, return to God, call a solemn assembly. At the center of the book of Joel is the call from God for the people of God to return to God. The whole book is about the return. And that word return in Hebrew is the word shuv, S-H-U-V, which just so happens to be the root word in the much larger Hebrew word, teshuvah. And does anybody know what the word teshuvah means in Hebrew? Teshuvah means to repent. What that text is trying to tell us is the only way to return is to repent. The only way to come back is to repent. The only way home is the way of repentance. And like Mark mentioned last week, when we repent, God relents. In Psalm 51, David shows us what repentance looked like. It looks like David had committed a very grievous sin against God by sleeping with Bathsheba and then having her husband Uriah the Hittite 
brutally murdered, and his friend Nathan finally calls him out on it. And so what we read when we read Psalm 51 is David's apology. This is his comeback song. And he starts in the text by appealing to God's goodness and mercy. And then he takes ownership of his sin. And then he apologizes. He asks God to forgive him. And then he asks God to cleanse him from the inside out. And then finally, he asks God to give him a brand new heart. Now, church, what I want you to notice there is that David doesn't just ask God to clean up the damage that his sin has made. He asks him to make him completely new. I think oftentimes, too many of us, when we pray, we pray and we say, God, please fix this, not God, please fix us. God, please fix the things that, I, please fix the things that we've broken, not God, please change my brokenness, not heal my brokenness. My friends, this morning, if you feel far from God, this is my encouragement to you. Psalm 51 is a great place to start. I would urge you to follow David's lead. This is the way home. Appeal to God's goodness and mercy. Take ownership of your sin. Ask God to forgive you. Ask him to cleanse you from the inside out. And then ask him for a brand new heart. For a person to get to the place of repentance, they have to stop seeing themselves as victims. That's a hard thing to say, but I think it's really important. For a person to ever get to the place of repentance, they have to stop seeing themselves as victims. And this is what I mean. One of the ways that I think Satan often works is, is that when we find ourselves, we find that we've wandered far away from God and we've wandered away from the fold, Satan tries to convince us that our wandering is everybody else's fault. We build up whole worlds in our heads of blame, you know? I mean, we'll, we'll wander away and we'll go, well, I'm not going back to that place. Those people never did anything for me anyway, you know? Uh, I'm not going back to that place. I mean, that guy is crazy. He said something that hurt my feelings or that I disagreed with or offended me. I'm not going back to that place. There's a lady there that thinks different than I do, and there's no way that I want to worship in the same room that she's in. Listen to me, church. Victims don't know how to repent because they don't know how to apologize. They think that the whole world owes them an apology. But the call of God is to bent knees and not high horses. Did you hear me? God calls us to bent knees, not high horses. Maybe it's time to lay down the pride and to lay down the entitlement and to lay down the victimhood and to pick up humility and to pick up repentance and to pick up victory. Got a newsflash for you this morning, church. Sometimes you are the one to blame for your wandering. Sometimes you're the one that's responsible. Sometimes you're far from God and it's because it's you, like you did it. It's not always somebody else's fault. And until you're able to like see that clearly, and until you're able to own it and admit that, I don't think you're ever going to find your way home. I mean, until you're able to take ownership. Now, let me also add this here while I'm on a roll.
Thinking about doing stuff is not the same thing as doing stuff. You get that in your head, I really think you can change your life. This is not just a church truth, like this is a in the world truth. You know, like thinking about your dreams, not the same thing as living your dreams. Thinking about repentance is not the same thing as repenting. Thinking about coming back, not the same thing as coming back. Thinking about going is not the same thing as going. Thinking about serving is not the same thing as serving. And thinking about loving is not the same thing as loving. There are people right now all over the city of Knoxville, coffee in hand, PJ's on, watching uh, Netflix, and in their heads they're thinking, man, we really got to get back to church. Really got to go back. And somehow they've allowed just the thought to satisfy them. Because in their heads, they think, man, as long as I've just got the want to in me, I think God understands that. I think, I mean, after all, you know, it's really the thought that counts, right? No, no, not when it comes to this stuff. I mean, the problem with that way of thinking it is that eventually those embers are going to burn out and those thoughts are going to go away. The problem with that way of thinking is that the call of God is a call to love God and to love our neighbors, not to think about loving God and to think about loving our neighbors. And it's a very, <laughs> one day soon I'm going to preach the happiest sermon. And it's going to be called like Love and Clouds and Bob Ross and Joy and all Like I got that one coming because I've just, there's been a fire in me lately and I apologize. I mean like I feel it, you know, like I don't, I'm like, what's, I, I don't want to do that. And he's like, no, you say that. I'm like, okay. There is a big difference in having the thought, I should do something to help the people of Haiti and helping the people of Haiti. There is a big difference in thinking I should serve some, in some capacity at my church and actually serving in some capacity at church. I mean, for some of you, it really is time that you stop letting the thinking about it being enough. That you stop letting the thinking about it satisfy. It's, it's not enough. Thinking about doing something, not the same thing as doing stuff. And for some of you, it's time that you stop thinking about doing the stuff and you actually get back to doing it. Repent. Come back, serve, go, love. Christianity is a religion that's about the head and it's about the heart and it's about the hands. They're all connected. My start is a thought, but it's got to come out like this. It's got to come, come out with moving hands and moving feet. That's what it looks like to be the church. David in Psalm 51 shows us the way home. He shows us how to return, how to make a comeback, and the way is the way of repentance. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, in verses that have probably for about the last six months of my life been some of my favorite verses. Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. And it's really a pivotal conversation in the life of the early church. And Jesus ultimately tells Peter, he says, you're going to be the rock that I build the church on. And then he says, and the gates of hell aren't going to be able to prevail against the church, which is pretty great. And then there's another line in there that I think we often overlook or that often gets missed. And this one is, this is my favorite. Jesus tells Peter in that text that he's going to give the church the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He tells me he's going to give the church the keys to the kingdom. This is the verse verbatim right here. Matthew 16, 19. Jesus speaking to Peter says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
What I need you to see here, church, is that while David shows us the way home, it is Jesus who gives us the keys to the house. David shows us the way home, it's Jesus who opens the door. And man, that's powerful. Because that means that when we repent and we come home, it means we don't have to sleep on the porch. means we don't have to camp in the yard. means we don't have to just be staring through the windows to try to see what's going on in the side. No, because of Jesus, means we get to walk right in the door. You know the only people who have keys to my house? Me, Bethany, Sophie, and Ellen Deacon. That's it. Just those five. And everybody who has a key to my house has access to everything that's in my house. Like when Sophie and Ellen, they can come in and open the door. They don't have to ask me to get something out of the fridge. They don't have to ask to go to sleep in one of the beds. They don't have to ask to take something out of the closet. No, everything that I have belongs to them. They have access to it all. If they didn't, I wouldn't have given them the key, but I've given them the key. I'm like, come on in. Everything I've got, it's all yours. So it is with God, church. When God tells Peter, when Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to give the church keys to the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, you're now going to be my brothers and sisters. You now have backstage all access passes to heaven, to the kingdom. Everything that I have, I'm now sharing with you. It's all yours. This is why Paul goes so crazy in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when the people are arguing over something silly. And Paul says, what are you arguing about? He goes, all things are yours, and you're Christ, and Christ is God. Now, I think one of the reasons that many of us struggle to have a consistent and intimate, and, and intimate relationship with God is because we don't understand that. Like, we don't, we don't get that truth. I think uh, too many of us see ourselves as too dirty and our God as too small. But through repentance, we are cleansed and by way of Christ's sacrifice, we are redeemed. Repentance is the way. Redemption is the key. David shows us the way home, but it's Jesus who gives us the keys to the house. Church, shouldn't that change the way we pray? I mean, shouldn't, it change, shouldn't, that, shouldn't that thought change the way that we live? Shouldn't it wa- change the way that we think? Shouldn't it change the way that we evangelize? We are key holders to the kingdom of heaven. We are sons and daughters, not slaves. We have an inheritance that is not of this world. We both know the way home and have a key to get in the door. And so what I'm trying to say to you this morning, church, is that if you're in a position where you look at your life right now and you feel like I'm far from God, like I've wandered a long way from home, then this is what I'm telling you this morning. Let today be the day that you take the first step of repentance. You make that first step back towards home, and I'll tell you where the hide key is. I'm part of a church. I got the keys to the kingdom. You start the process of walking back, I'll tell you how to get in. Jesus showed us the way. David shows us what Jesus gave us the key. Last Monday night, I woke up at about 2.30 in the morning, and, um, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I just laid in the bed, and uh, I prayed. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less my praying is me talking, and the more it's become just me listening. And so I'm laying there in bed, and I'm listening to God, you know, to, to remind me who I am, 
I'm listening to him, you know, tell me, like give direction, like telling me what to do. And at some point in that prayer, I pray and I ask him, oh, what do you, what do you want me to say to your, I'm on Sunday, what do you want me to say to your people on Sunday? And the word that kept coming to my mind, it's really kind of weird, was the word shudder. Shudder. S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Not like shudder, the kind that are on windows, you know, but shudder like the trembling kind. And so I get up on Monday morning and I pull out the book of Joel and I go all the way through and I'm looking for that word. I'm like, is it in there? Like, is that where I'm supposed to go? And the word tremble is in Joel a couple of times in chapter two, but the word shudder is not. And then I remember that in James chapter two, verse 19, the author of James wrote these words. He said, so you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Y'all remember that verse? He says, so you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. And the point that I think James is trying to make there is he's trying to tell us, he's like, look, even the demons believe in God. Like the demons know that God is real. They know that God exists. And when they think about God, they tremble, they shake in fear, they shudder. Why? Because they don't know the way home and they don't have keys to the kingdom. They are forever locked out. No redemption, no repentance, no hope. The author of the book of Hebrews tells us what the world would look like if there was no redemption, no repentance, no hope. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, this is what it said. If you do not know the way home, if you do not have keys to the kingdom of heaven, the text says it would be a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is my prayer for you all this morning, okay? And I think some of y'all have felt this already. And if, if you haven't, I'm wrong. If you are in a place right now where you've wandered away from God, if you are in a place where you feel you've wandered away from the flock, like you just know you're not where you're supposed to be, my prayer for you is that at some point today in our worship, at some point when you lay down on your pillow and I, I want you to shudder. I want you to tremble. I want you to shake because your shaking is a recognition of the distance. The fact that you've moved far away from God, I want you to, because if you feel that shake, when you feel that tremble, when you feel that shudder, I want you to know that that's God calling you to come home. There is a way for you. You do know the way of repentance. You do have access to the keys of the kingdom. And the reason I say that is because I think some of you have felt it already. Like I really do. I think some of you have laid in bed at night and for whatever reason or you've had situations in the last few months where just you were doing something and you felt the tremble. Like, and, I, and I know that's weird. I know it's weird to say, but it's also weird that I'm praying at 2.30 in the morning and God's saying, shudder, right? So I'm saying that to you right now. I want you to receive that as a sign that it's time to come home. And I've spent the whole sermon trying to tell you this is the way home and you have keys to the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I'm grateful for your word. I pray that you would move in our midst. I pray that there wouldn't be one person in here who feels too far away. There's no such thing. Man, we might have believed that before Jesus. We might have believed that before the gospel. We might have believed that before we had access to the truths of the Bible, but there's no such thing as too far to wander. God, there are people in our midst today who need to repent. There are people in our midst who need to turn around. 
There are people in our midst who need to take steps in a different direction. I pray today they would do that. I pray that they would move and that you would move. And then for those people in here who just constantly live their life filled with shame and doubt and fear, remind them today that they're sons and they're key holders to the kingdom. And because of that, help them to pray different and think different and move different and evangelize different. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the truth of your word and the way it sustains us. Help us to value time with you and time with each other. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.